0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Sydney Coach Replay Show. I'm your host, Corey Camp, and today we have my good friend TJ Hoffman with us. TJ is our chief operating officer here at Sydney, and prior to joining Sydney, he managed the new teacher induction for Houston ISD, which is a huge overtaking. It's a large, large school district. He coached on technology implementation in schools and has worked for 10 years. As a teacher and school leader, so welcome to the Coach Replay Show, TJ.
1: Thanks, Corey. I'm excited to join you today.
0: Yeah, me too. And I'm really excited about this topic. It's a really timely topic. It's something that's I remember talking a lot about years ago. I, I would I'd bring this up a lot in my topic, and I've kind of gotten away from that in in training sessions. But it's perfect for this time of the year because we're in the thick of it. We're talking about coaching through. Difficult times in a teacher's life, and specifically a common time for all teachers: divulson, which is the difficult time for lots and lots of teachers that everyone's going through right now. It kind of hits everybody at the same time. So, yeah. TJ, yeah, tell us tell us what divulsion is.
1: So, I uh, so it, I mean it's sort of a a, a tongue in cheek play on I think something that we've seen from lots and lots of research about lots of sentiment surveys of teachers around the world, um, the sort of this time of the school year. And um, the, the the nickname or the acronym is the Dark Evil Vortex of Late September, October, and November. It's something that I found a couple of years ago, actually, when I was working on a blog post for Sydney. I had never heard of it, but I read another blog post by a teacher who, uh, was talking about divulson and and her experience with it, and um, and it reminded me actually of something that I um, experienced when I was going through training with the New Teacher Center and learning how to uh, train new teachers and mentor new teachers, in uh, some work that Ellen Moore had done. And uh, we can look at this little chart um, if you want to. Um, so the the developmental phases for the first year of teaching, you know, this was something that we learned a lot about and that I really took to heart when I was working with new teachers um, and over the course of my career, working with new teachers and sort of that, you know, over the course of a school year uh, on average, a teacher feels a certain way about their job. They feel a certain way about how they're doing at their job, but also just sort of, you know, Whether they want to come to work or not, you know, sort of just Mm -hmm. things about that, and it and it follows after you know she surveyed thousands and thousands of teachers and found that it sort of follows this trajectory. It follows this line um, over the course of you know the American school year that starts in August and ends in uh, ends in the in June or July. um, That that essentially you know at the beginning of the year we have this sort of anticipatory phase where we're all really excited about the coming school year and all the hopes but that very, very quickly, we um, we sort of dip into a survival phase where, you know, all those hopes and dreams, all those lesson plans that we'd spent the summer working on, all those things that we worked really hard to go to conferences about and learn about and do book studies and all that sort of stuff meets reality, right? And it meets the everyday reality of school. And we start to sort of feel like we're just surviving in our day-to-day lives mm-hmm. and schools. And then, you know, that place kind of bottoms out uh, in, in Devolson this time, you know, late September, October, all the way through to the end of the first semester where we go through this sort of disillusionment phase. And, and as I was working on this blog post, which, by the way, I can't find on our blog. So if anybody's watching this and you find the blog post and post it in the comments for this. Um, we'll uh, we'll send you a prize. Um, because Ooh. remember what that blog post yeah,
0: help Help us find our own setup. that'd be great.
1: <laughs> but, you know, it really made me think about, well, this isn't really just a phenomenon for new teachers. This is a phenomenon for lots of teachers in a lot of different contexts. Mm-hmm. At the end of the first semester and going into that that holiday break, that semester break, a lot of us feel... Just overwhelmed and and kind of like, you know, I have to handle one more thing other than what I'm just coming to work to do on a day-to-day basis. I'm going to lose it.
0: Yeah, you know? we're exhausted.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a hard job, right? I mean, it's an mm-hmm. incredible job. It's isolating. It's um, it's stressful. You don't really have any downtime because you got kids in front of you all day long. And so, you know, after two or three months of that, it can get really overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I think that's why we're so anxious for, for that winter break. I think the that time of year, also, you've got your um, your winter holidays, your Thanksgiving, your Christmas, your, you know, all the holidays that we celebrate are the things that we do over winter break and just, you know, all life in general outside of our schools, plus all the things in our classroom, you know, that survival period was me realizing that. I did not have as much time as I thought I did between the starter school and starting to get to know my students and parent conferences, which started in October. Like, that's really when I started feeling like, okay, my hair's a little bit on fire and I'm just surviving. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So, so here's the big question, TJ, you know, how do we coach uh, or adapt our coaching to working with teachers during this period, recognizing that this is a common period. So it's definitely something that we should probably do a temperature check on with our staff and kind of see where everybody is. And I bet we're gonna be seeing that this is truly the case on a lot of our campuses for a lot of our teachers. So how do we how do we adapt with that? And I know that's what you wanted to talk with us about today.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, th- I think that there are some important things to think about and I think that some of them are common sort of you know um common beliefs about what it means to be a good coach in general um but 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 become really important especially during these stressful times you know i have heard uh, hundreds of times talking to lots and lots of coaches uh, around the country that you know one of the most important parts about being a good coach is to have a good relationship with the person that you're. And that that's an incredibly important thing. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I couldn't agree with that more. And I think that that's incredibly important. I think that sometimes we gloss over what it really means to have a relationship with someone and that, you know, there are times when it's really easy to have a relationship with a colleague, with a teacher that you're working for or working with. and, And then there are times when it's not as easy. And I think especially when... When you're not really super close to somebody and you they are going through a tough time and and you know i mean let's be honest the coach is experiencing devolson too like everybody out um those relationships can be really really hard to manage and really difficult to balance and so you know i think of this not as necessarily a challenge as much as it's an opportunity to sort of go back to basics and one of those basics that i think is something that we all instinctively know as teachers, um, but that we don't always apply to adult relationships is this concept of the ratio of interactions. And, you know, there's been a lot and a lot, a lot of conversation about, you know, like, what's the appropriate ratio of positive to, to corrective um, student relation or student interactions? You know, like how many pieces okay. do I have to give for every, um, for every corrective, uh, Action that I have with a kid, right? Lots of conversations about
0: that. Right.
1: That we have a tendency to think that somehow that concept um, goes away when we start dealing with adult relationships, and I think that's silly. Like I think that's crazy. Like if you're mean to me all the time, I'm not going to want to, you know, learn with you. I'm not going mm-hmm. to 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 deal with you know your constant onslaught of telling me the things that I need to do better. And so this is an opportunity to do some things to really build up what my mentor, Jean Duffy, who is the greatest mentor of all time. And I'll, I've, I've, I've literally testified before the Texas state legislature about how great she is. Um, you know, like go, Jean. one of the important things that she taught me was that you have to think about the ratio of interactions, not as a mathematical equation, but as a bank account.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so what that means is, you know, a bank account you put deposits into and you make withdrawals out. And those deposits are positive interactions, and those withdrawals are negative interactions or corrective interactions, not necessarily negative, but something that the person with whom you have that relationship is going to perceive to be somewhat uncomfortable or negative or something.
0: Right.
1: She is the example. Jean always used the example of her, her grandchild um, who, um, you know, she she said one time she was Work, she was doing something with her grandkids. And Jean was sort of a notoriously tough teacher. Um, she taught Algebra One, to, she taught remedial Algebra, algebra One uh, at the school where I taught. And, you know, I mean, she was stern to say the least. And, uh, but, you know, she talked about her relationship with her grandkid and how, you know, she and her grandkid loved each other and they have a good relationship and they spent a lot of time together and all this sort of stuff. But that one time she um, had to get on to this kid and, you know, and, and sort of give give some redirection and something, and she wasn't nice about it. She sort of put on Miss Duffy the 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 means mm-hmm. t- to do it, and she said, you know, how do you think my how do you think my grandkid perceived it? And you know, the sort of thing was like, oh, well, you're a grandma, you know, and all this sort of stuff. She said, no, it's all kids are the same, and I think this is true for all people. All people are the same. If your bank account has a nice, healthy balance, in it, you can make any kind of withdrawal, and it's gonna be okay. So. This, this period of disillusionment is a bad time to make a lot of withdrawals from that bank account by constantly coming to someone and saying, okay, here's something new you need to do in your classroom. Here are the things that you're doing wrong. Here are the things that you need to fix. And the, the, the tricky thing about that is frequently during this time is when a lot of those things uncover themselves. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Really your classroom see- management. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. Things fall apart. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and so that's when, as a coach, I go in and I think, Oh my gosh, you know, all this stuff is happening um, and, 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 and all these things are going wrong. I need to, you know, provide this teacher with some support. This is my perception of it from the coach. I need to provide this teacher with some support so that they can get out of this. You know, they're, they're drowning. They need someone to come in and throw them a life preserver, Mm -hmm. but think about it from the other perspective. Right. Really, what that is is corrective behavior. You're telling someone something that they're doing wrong, and giving them an opportunity to fix it. Um, And and that can that can be a negative a negative withdrawal from that bank account. And so you just have to think about how much of of a healthy balance do I have with this teacher? If we're not really really close with one another, then if I just come in and only do those things where I'm correcting them, then I'm making withdrawals, even if I'm doing it out of the goodness of my heart and my desire to, you know, do what's right for kids and all those sorts of things. Me telling you to do something and you not doing anything different doesn't do any good, so, right? I mean, that, that's pointless.
0: Well, and I think it's, it's a really important. I love that analogy, and I love that that kind of reminder because you know we've got to remember that many many instructional coaches, especially here in in the U.S. They were amazing teachers one time before, and they did amazing things with the young learners in front of them, but they haven't maybe had as much training on working with adult learners and working with other adults. And it's a whole different boat. Um, I, and one of the things I struggled with was, I always had a pretty good sense of, can I make a withdrawal? Um, and and putting into that bank account ahead of time, but i struggled with when it was okay to make that withdrawal then it was like a big amount and then okay you did that that's amazing let's do now this one and i did too many big withdrawals in in too close of a time without putting some things back into it like that was something that i frequently fell into and if that happens especially during this period um it can really be detrimental so that's one of the things that I, i'd like to talk about is uh, this is such a large part of that school year that disillusionment the devolution period what are some things that we can do to still make this time a productive and and uh conducive time towards our work together with their teachers how do we how do we go ahead and navigate that
1: yeah and I, and i think that there are a lot of things you can do and some of them are seemingly kind of silly like they don't seem like they're that important but you know, like one of the things that you can do is you can take some time to make some deposits into that bank account. Mm-hmm. Go through and do seemingly kind of silly things. You know, like you know, giving little, you know, buy a muffin, bring it by, uh, make cookies for all your teachers. Uh, you know, it's pumpkin spice time. Get some lattes or something like that. You know, like those things seem that important, but it's a it's a deposit. It's it's a little deposit, but it's still a deposit into and then you can make some larger deposits by really going in and finding things to celebrate about what the teacher's doing well. And I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: sometimes that's hard, right? Like sometimes the thing that is to celebrate is you showed up to work today. And that's, <laughs> you know, what I mean, like yeah. that might be the thing that you did well, but really just strengthening that um, that 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 balance in that in that in that in that relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing that I often think about, I was a big, when I was going to, when I was, in, uh, when I was an undergrad, you know, working on sort of those foundational education courses, I loved Maslow. Like I was a really big fan of that. And, and anybody who's taken the new teacher induction course at the Sydney Learning Center knows that I spend a ton of time talking about Maslow and the new teacher. But, you know, like focusing on some of those foundational things that if you don't have those, you can't learn. Right. So do I feel safe? Do I feel comfortable? Do I feel a sense of social belonging? Do I feel um, do I do I have my basic needs met? That sort of stuff. You know, this is the time when teachers are skipping lunch. They're not doing those sorts of things. So, I mean, you can do a lot of good by saying, hey, let me cover your class for the next you know, 20 minutes or something like that. Uh, or, or can I help you, you know, make copies or something like that? Those sort of like things that don't feel like coaching are real mm-hmm. relationship. But then the big picture is, you know, find those things that they're doing well in the classroom, so that you can celebrate them. Those low, ha- low hanging fruit, or find a goal that's really small and really achievable and can be achieved in a week. And saying, okay, we're going to work to this, and then by Friday you're going to have hit that goal. And and it's got to be something that you are a hundred percent confident that the teacher can do. Don't say we're going to work on wait time, that just because that seems like an easy thing to you. If you don't think that that teacher is really going to be able to accomplish it in a very short amount of time. Because if they can reach the goal in three, five days, then you're great. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Some things that you can sort of think about, you know, like I think about the Willie Nelson song, right? You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. You got to know when to, um, like, think about, uh, okay, this is something that we're going to, Look at right now. This is something that we're going to focus on right now in in an actual pedagogical or curricular context, um, and and we can do this now. We can accomplish this now. But you're going to have to be the biggest cheerleader on the face of the earth because right. because the person who's disillusioned is not going to feel that way. And then you know you may even have a teacher come to you and say, "I'm having so much classroom management struggle with my sixth period class. Can you please come in and help me?" And in, and and you might find some things that need to be taken care of, that should be taken care of, but that you just know it's going to take a lot of too big lift. And say let's save that for February. Let's focus mm-hmm. on the things that can immediately address some of the problems now. But otherwise, you're just going to need to sort of sit back, fold the cards, and wait until the future, so that you write it out a
0: little bit. Yeah.
1: yeah. And, and, you know, this is another big opportunity. Here's my big plug for Sydney, right? Record video of people, you know, like capture that gold now that you can look back at in the in the spring semester or, it, or going into the summer months, or even the teacher can review over the summer when they're rested and they're feeling good. You know, I mean, I, I remember looking back on video of myself in the classroom during this time period and just kind of. You know, when you're in a healthy emotional state, kind of giggling about it, and like, oh, my gosh, what a crazy mistake. I would never have done that had I watched that video the day after I filmed
0: it. Mm-hmm. So
1: that, there's that old adage, comedy is tragedy plus time. You know, I mean, like, put some time right. between when the video gets filmed and when we review it.
0: Yeah. And that's one of my favorite takeaways. You mentioned the new teacher induction course. One of my favorite activities, and it's one of the first ones mentioned is, you know, kind of from even day one, even before we're in the disillusionment phase um, with our new teachers, getting them to start to record and record often and just hold on to those recordings. It's not about them going in and self-reflecting, especially with new teachers. They don't really have the the reflective capacity at that time. Many don't to do that on their own, but it's like you said, it's that gold that they get to save up for later on. And then the end of the year, giving them that process to let's take a look back in time real quick and let's just celebrate how far we've come and the places we started out strong and continued strong and to start to think about what our professional vision is for next year. So.
1: Yeah, because even if even if you've even if you've, uh, you know, I mean, even an experienced teacher, even if you've closed that gap that you had Mm -hmm. in the middle of November, um, when you're watching that video at the end of the year, there's still something you can learn from that. Right. Like, I mean, it's it's very easy for me to fall back into old habits. And so I can say, well, Mm I'm going to prevent that from happening next year, um, because, you know, that's really the thing. And and, you know, I mean, I, I think about sort of the last big picture here is, you know, I think about Carl Glickman's framework for differentiated coach, coaching and, you know, the sort of ICF framework, uh, you know, our goal is to sort of move teachers towards autonomy, to have them be autonomously reflective and being able to look back at what they did on their own and grow. Um, but, but that, you know, at different periods throughout the year, your coaching style might need to shift from being instructive where you're really giving someone resources, skills, pedagogical uh, practices, um, really providing them with the information. You're modeling, you're giving them, uh, you know, sample lesson plans, that sort of stuff. Um, At other times you need to be collaborative with them. You need to sort of sit down side by side and maybe co-plan a lesson or, um, or find ways to really give that teacher that coached teacher more voice. And then, you know, ultimately the goal is to be facilitative, to be able to say, my role as the coach is really to just facilitate your own uh, planning and development. Mm -hmm. And and all I'm doing is asking questions like a therapist, right? Right. Well, during this Devolson period, you know, if if I'm really struggling with something as a teacher, even though it's, you know, halfway through the school year, if you come in to me and you say, uh, you say to me well how do you think you should handle that problem in a sort of which which at the end of the year might not feel the same way that can be really destructive to that coaching relationship because what i hear is you're not going to help me solve this so you might need okay. to be collaborative or you might need to it at sometimes even be instructive you know i i'm i'm sort of personally philosophically um the sort of person who thinks that being instructive as a coach should always be reserved for a very small list of
0: mm-hmm.
1: c- scenarios. But sometimes those scenarios come up during this divulcent time. period.
0: Yeah. Say, Elena Aguilar in her- Give me this
1: worksheet her- tomorrow. You can do it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, Elena Aguilar in her, in her book, The Art of Coaching, uh, which is an oldie but goodie, uh, not that old, but um, I've been rereading it recently and she gives, she calls instructive- coaching directive is kind of how she labels it she said you know they can use synonymously but she is a really great example of a teacher who was kind of in this like I am just doing the best I can to keep my head just barely above water I just need you to tell me like I I get it I know I'm supposed to be reflective but tell me and so um, knowing when kind of going back to know when to hold them and no when to fold them kind of thing, knowing when you, when you need to step into these different types of roles that are going to be the best bang for your buck with that time are you, are and help you, deposit. Yeah.
1: I'll, I'll close with sort of a, a, a funny story about my own experience, my first year teaching, you know, I I was always bad at submitting attendance on time. Like, Um it was good and, at that. I mean, really. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, Corey, you know me, I'm bad at doing everything. on time. Uh, <laughs> but I, uh, I didn't, you know, at the beginning of the year, we had people telling us, you know, uh, you need to submit your ADA attendance. Your ADA attendance needs to go in at this particular time. It was 9.30 on my campus. And uh, and I didn't know what ADA stood for. I thought it had something to do with the Americans for Disabilities Act. And I said, well, I don't have any disabled children in my classroom, so I guess this doesn't matter. So I can just submit my attendance whenever I want. You know, had my coach come in and been like, well, let's collaborate around this, or how do you think the solution, because I was getting in trouble every day, like the attendance office was calling me and calling at me every day.
0: And you I was, in trouble? I couldn't imagine. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. But I mean, you know, like Jean was like, uh, that's, you know, that, that, she explained to me what it meant. And I was like, oh, okay, so this has to do with how we get paid. Okay, that's important. And then I started submitting at least my ADA attendance. Um You know, I mean, you know, sometimes you don't need to be collaborative or facilitative because it's an easy solution, you know. And um, and that's, those are the best opportunities. If you can find at this time of the year an easy solution for somebody and just give it to them and have them solve a problem, you're that, that's the trifecta, right? You're helping Mm -hmm. deposit in that bank account, you're building a relationship, you're meeting those sort of foundational Maslow needs, and they're growing, they're getting better. So, I mean,
0: like, great do that. yeah, definitely. yeah, definitely looking for those opportunities. And again, I just think the the awareness um, you know is is powerful for us. Uh, you know for me as a virtual coach, where I'm not tied to a particular campus or any campus really and and I'm working with with teachers it's it's a really good reminder for this time of year. I know it is for me just as a mom, as a as a mom <laughs> with kids in school right now, I'm totally in that disillusionment phase where I'm trying to plan Thanksgiving dinner and put together lists lists for Christmas and so yes, I need I need people to be a little bit more instructive <laughs> with me for my own <laughs> stuff. So this has been an awesome conversation, TJ. Uh, I'm hoping somebody does find our blog post uh, that we were missing on on this topic, but um, I really it's a couple of it. years old
1: because yeah. I, I wrote it when I first started working here so you can go back mm-hmm. pages in the blog to find the article but yeah
0: yeah yeah well, I didn't post it and'
1: we'll, and uh, and we'll uh, we'll be sure to send you a prize.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. We like to reward that that type of yeah. behavior. I think it also would be interesting to hear from our uh, viewers, How are they, how? are what ideas do they have for making those deposits uh, at this time of year? What are you doing or what ideas do you have? What's worked with you? I think it'd be great to just build up because we're right in the thick of it. We're right in the middle of it. So, I mean, it's only mid November. So we've still got another month and a half of this, a couple more weeks of school. Uh, of this phase before people come back rejuvenated excited for the new year Uh, so this will be good all right well thanks again for joining us tj and audience tune in next week for another episode of the sydney coach replay show
1: thanks a lot